Welcome NEC fans and thank you for joining us as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX, as well as open a discussion with our student athletes. My name is Adrian Barajas and I'm the communications assistant at the NEC. I would like to thank Emily for joining us today, offering to share her ideas and experiences around Title IX. Emily, please go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. I run track at Central Connecticut State University, and I am a senior graduating this spring. And my major is political science with a minor in marketing. Awesome. Um, and before we dive into our conversation, Emily, I just want to mention the 37 words that changed everything. And that is, no person in the United States shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied of benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal funding. So with those 37 powerful words, that leads us into our first question. And that is, what does Title IX mean to you? Title IX broke down barriers, um, in my opinion. It paved the way for so many amazing women to come forward and make their own name and own history through sports. And it allows future generations to progress the sport and to progress Title IX like we're going to do today. Awesome, absolutely. So what do you believe are some of the shortcomings of Title IX and what can we do going forward to fix this? So Title IX, like you said, was very short. It was 37 words and it was a great document, but it's pretty vague. Um, and it also has been the nickname of the killer of men's sports. People have the negative connotation that, it, you know, we have to have women's sports and then it kind of cuts a lot of men's programs. So I wish that we could, that there's a way that we could keep adding on women's sports without having to take away men's sports. Mm -hmm. And if we could define it a little bit more, the OCR came out with regulations and rules with Title IX, and I wish we could incorporate those into the doctor to the document. Yeah, awesome. So of all of the disparities that persist in society, where do you feel you've seen the most growth? I've seen the most growth in women supporting other women in the sport and mm -hmm. women, other women athletes really advocating for other women's sports. We've come together as a community to really kind of uplift each other and our voices all have all formed into one yeah. to become stronger and hopefully more heard. I love that. The, I love that what you said that um, all of your voices have kind of come together to, to like one unified voice. I think that's um, absolutely a great representation of what we've seen in the world of women's sports. Oftentimes, those who hold the power will try to hold off and fighting for the change to, and, and, and for other people to become exhausted, those advocating for the change to exhaust themselves. So in what ways um, can we stay motivated in advocating for equality? Um, I feel like the first step is to look back into history. Those women and also men who were involved, it wasn't just women who enacted in Title IX. Every, there were so many other people involved. Um, we can look back into history and look at those powerful advocates and leaders and continue to look forward and use them as inspiration. Yeah. Awesome. In what ways can women's sports innovate? How can we use athletics as a way to spark more education and equality? Uh, so a pro of Title IX, um, and this is factual, that it has enrolled so many more women in college. Yeah. Um, women, when Title IX first was introduced, there were still, there were so many all men's colleges. There were so many colleges who weren't accepting women. And you could forget about women trying to participate in sports in college. So Title IX not only allowed more women to go to college and gave them the opportunity, 
and also opened up the opportunity for more, more minority women to enter college. And one thing that I would like Title IX to see is that if we opened up the door to women younger um, and introduce sports to them younger and more diverse sports. So this is like an actual fact that um, mm-hmm. a lot of, for Title IX, a lot of the new sports that are added, um, like field hockey, equestrian, sometimes swimming, um, are really, the rosters are white dominated. Right. Um, especially like lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And so... What I would like to see is if we introduce those sports to group minority groups at a younger age, so that way when you get to college, those roster spots can be filled up by more diverse women. Because that's another issue that we're facing within Title IX and college athletics is we have have a lot more women on the rosters. We have a lot more women's sports and women's on rosters, but we don't have enough diversity. No, I think that was well put, very well put there. Um, And it absolutely um, is something that should be looked into in more in, in, in another conversation to have under under Title IX, um, as as we as we want to see a more diverse field and not just simply dominate. You know, okay, we made progress in a step in you know into introducing more women's sports, but now it's limiting uh, opportunity for all all types of women and all from, coming from all walks of life. So that's definitely another conversation um, that needs to be had. Mm-hmm. Cool. So let's move into some current events. Um, uh, specifically around the World Cup. Then um, this one's about equal pay. So to give you some context, um, players on the U.S. women's national team have long cheered on their male counterparts. And thanks to the historic equal pay deal signed earlier this year, um, they have a million more reasons. The two squads are evenly splitting the World Cup prize money they earn. So when the men's team advanced to the round of 16 this, this World Cup, they also secured a payout of at least $13 million. An equal share of that money will go to the women's team, um, which is awesome. Fabulous. You know, like it's a great thing. So as we're watching the World Cup, how is something that may be lost in a historic battle waged by U.S. women's players to be paid equally with the U.S. men's national team? That battle has now won in the courts and the women will share um, in the windfall from the World Cup. How important is this and what can be done to make similar inroads in the WNBA um, the WTA, the Tennis Association, and the LBGA, uh, LPGA, and other women's sports. So I want to start off with the women's national soccer team. They have done a, such an amazing job yeah. um, advocating for equal pay, and they are, have been so persistent in their fight, and they're never going to give up, and they're not giving up, and they've inspired so many other teams. When it comes to the WNBA and um, women's soccer, they're they're no stranger to um, hardships. Right. So they know how they know how to fight and they know how to push. And so with the WNBA, I don't know if you saw Kelsey Plum uh, mm-hmm. from the Las Vegas Aces recently on a podcast, and they asked her about the disparities and the pay inequity between the NBA and the WNBA. And she said with the WNBA, they want the same revenue sharing that the men get. So with her, her jersey's being sold and she's not getting any percentage or monetary from that jersey being sold. So that's the name, image, and likeness thing. Yeah. So they're not, they don't want to be paid the same as the men, but they want the same revenue sharing because she says she doesn't need to be paid what LeBron's paying. She doesn't think she deserves yeah. to be paid what LeBron gets. Um, so I think with that, if we, with the WNBA, if that can roll over that, they can get revenue sharing. And then with the WTA and um, the LPGA, it's kind of tough when it comes to that because it's all individual. 
And that's a challenge. It's another conversation that's going to have to be had and a new challenge and a new hill to overcome. Um, But for the WNBA, I hope that something like what happened with the women's soccer team can happen. Yeah. And do you think that, um, you know, women from the WNBA and these other organizations should seek out some of the individuals that played a major role in women's soccer and, and, and you know, like that were a voice for equal pay. Do you feel like there, there should be um, some sort of like collaborative effort to get this across all women's uh, sports, especially in the, at the professional level? I think definitely. I mean, obviously, Megan and Sue Bird, um, mm-hmm. they're a power couple. And I think they've also, um, they really have started this conversation and they've, they've been champions of it mm-hmm. uh, so i think that collaboration and they just opened up their own production company which is going to spotlight women advocates and women trying to break down barriers and women fighting for equality within sports so i think that partnership and that business is going to help uplift women's sports but i most definitely think you know women we have to help we have to help each other mm-hmm. um and it's also important for men to have a seat at the have a seat at the conversation to be at the table to also put women in these spots to lift them up and to bring them into the conversation absolutely and then i have another uh piece of context to uh offer from the from the world cup so just recently uh the professional portuguese soccer player cristiano ronaldo uh he's been heavily covered in the news after becoming the first man to score in five different world cups Mm. There have been uh, a wide, there's like this widespread misconception that he's the first player to do this, when in fact, the Brazilian soccer player, Marta Vieira da Silva, uh, was the first player to set this record. She also holds the record of most goals scored in the World Cup with 17 goals. My question is, why do you think there was such a lack of female coverage tied to this record, especially with the Women's World Cup following this World Cup? Like, I felt like this was a great opportunity for our broadcasting channels to you know, share this bit of information and promote mm-hmm. the Women's World Cup. But, you know, it was just, it was stuck on that male athlete and, and you know, it's holding to the, uh, meant to the men's tournament. So my question is, w- what happened to the female coverage? That just goes back to with there being lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this year, it goes back to, you know, 2021 with the March Madness, I think that's what really sparked the initiative of we need more women's coverage in sports. There really hasn't been any, and I think it's just been overlooked. And unfortunately, that has to do with years of, you know, just pushing women to the side. Women are amazing athletes. And unfortunately, this is a common trend that we see throughout all different sports. Um, Andy Murray, who's a famous um, Scottish tennis player, he Mm -hmm. also correct, he loves to correct press and he pushes for gender equality as well. And they're like, how does it feel to be the first player to do something? He goes, I'm the first male player. And then he shouted out the women's player who holds, who holds the same title as he does. Wow. It's, the, it's the same sport, two separate people, two different divisions. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, women just get overshadowed. And yeah. that's hopefully what people like you and I having this conversation and more people just talking about it to get the word out and it all starts with the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely something that needs to be uh, done more, just opening up this conversation and really getting to the bottom of like the reasons why there isn't this equal uh, attention and an opportunity and um, focus on, on male and women's men and women's sports. 
So to go off um, this this record uh, about the World Cup. So assuming Ronaldo knew about her record, meaning Marta from Brazil, mm -hmm. could he have done something to advocate for uh, women's media coverage? He could have done similar to what Andy Murray does. I mean, if he's yeah. interviewed by a press conference, they say, how does it feel to be the first player, first yeah. male player? It's just one more word. It's just another, it's just a noun to throw in right before player. Yep. Um, of there's it's just two different things and i feel like he could use his platform he's such a huge platform such a huge influence and he could use that to start even the like the small little things of just correcting a news reporter or he could put out something on instagram where he has millions of followers um and like i said men need to help put women in these positions right yeah, and you can see someone like, like Cristiano Ronaldo famously in, in one press conference, there is there is a Coca-Cola bottle right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And he took the Coca-Cola bottle and moved it out of the camera frame. And it was like this big deal, like Coca-Cola, you know, stocks went down just because it was like this famous athlete is removing something that he doesn't consider um, healthy in his, as part of his lifestyle. So something as simple as advocating for Martha or or correcting, like you said, correcting the news reporter or, or just speaking for her on the same, because they're, you know, essentially achieving the, that same record, but on two mm -hmm. different uh, tournaments mm -hmm. could, could make all the difference, just like it did when he just simply mm -hmm. removed a bottle from, um, or a brand's name out of the camera frame. So um, yeah, I thought that was a great answer. Um, what are some ways we can generate more media coverage for women's sports? Um, I think we need to start local. Uh, I've seen on billboards, the electronic billboards driving past schools where they will advertise for men's basketball and then they'll go through all their other ads for the schools of their sponsors. And then it's like, buy your tickets now. And women's basketball, they don't even get a promotion or an advertisement of when their game is. Um, right. I know a lot of, at a lot of schools, women's basketball, they don't even charge admissions for which I think we can, we should start creating it as a revenue, as a revenue generating sport yeah. that can also help draw in people. Um, and we need to advertise men's and women's sports equally. If the school is sending out um, a mass email with like an upcoming game for a men's soccer game and like the women have a soccer game the next day, they should also be sending out an email as well yeah. with a promo and the same graphics as well. So I really need to think we need to start local and then build it up from there. Yeah, to reach to like that regional and then national level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, great answer. So Emily, what is your response um, when, you know, the outside world, the audience of uh, the world of sports, when they're urging athletes just to stick to sports? How does your, how does your response um, create a platform to be allies for women's rights, LGBTQ+, people of color, or all, and all forms of equality? So what I learned this summer when I went to the NCAA Career and Sports Forum Conference is that student athletes have such a voice and we have such a power, um, especially if we come together because we all share the same experiences a lot when we know, like in, in regards of practice. So we know we all have some commonalities and then if we continue talking, we can form more commonalities. But as a student athlete, you have voice and you have a power, even just yourself, everyone has their own voice and everyone has their own power. And I think we can capitalize off of that and use our voice to create a platform like Griffin Maxwell Brooks, um, a Princeton 
diver on TikTok. He has done an amazing job of building up a platform and using that platform to talk about current issues and to talk about LGBTQ and trans athletes in sports and today. I think in a sense, actually, like what you're doing right now is a great, a great response and reaction. You are outside of your competition, taking the time to voice what you have to share around women's mm-hmm. sports and just Title IX as it is, you know, taking the time out of your day to advocate for uh, a better community and um, just women's sports in general, you know, what we're all talking about. So I think um, right now what you're doing is a great response to um, what I just asked and sticking to sports. You know, we're not we're not just athletes, um, you know, and that's not the only thing uh, that defines us. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. we have every right to utilize our voice and advocate um, for what we believe in. So exactly. I think that... Mm -hmm. Um, because this goes into another conflict that athletes face is when we graduate if you keep telling us to stick to sports what are we going to do when we graduate and we don't have sports anymore what are we supposed to do um it goes into your how what and your why right now we know how we're doing stuff and what we're doing but do we know why we're doing something and if you keep urging athletes just to stick to sports and to focusing on sports, then, and then we lose sports, we graduate and we move on from sports. We don't have our why anymore. And for so many athletes, it's sports their whole lives and they don't get to develop outside passions or outside hobbies, or they don't get to advocate for other things. Like I love advocating for um, para-athletes and limb Mm -hmm. difference awareness and not all disabilities are visible. That's another thing aside from title nine in women's sports that I love to educate other people and myself on and so I think it's all about just finding your passion as well in regards to sticking to sports no that's that's amazing uh, great answer um how can others become more educated on the changes you advocate for like like you just recently messaged, uh, mentioned do we seek mainstream news do we seek other voices so I was being a political science major I've learned how to have conversations with people that can be diplomatic you just have to learn how to listen to someone else you can to educate someone you have to be open to hearing their opinions and to educate yourself you have to be open to listen to other people's opinions so i think we all need to have a conversation with ourselves and learn how to have conversations with other people and then once we have conversations with other people like i'm having with you today adrian um then we can start becoming more educated and then our conversation will hopefully reach the ears of other people absolutely so now i want to shift the conversation a little Mm -hmm. bit um just looking at title nine from another perspective Mm -hmm. and that is the topic of trans women in sports has come up in conversation a lot more frequently um how can we create a space for this topic without silencing anybody So I'd like to start off with I believe everyone has the right to participate in a sport I shouldn't be in a position of power and be able to tell someone that they can't run right um and so this is tricky when people aren't opening to have aren't open to having conversations and to hearing other people's opinions and life experiences Mm -hmm. um and then people break it down and talk about locker rooms um and are other athletes comfortable with trans athletes in locker rooms and i just don't think it's right that people are telling other people that they're not allowed to participate in a sport at all and they're not trying or attempting to make accommodations or altering rules because rules and laws are like guidelines they're not always set in stone we can move stuff around um Mm -hmm. and I don't think that we should be silencing anyone that goes like 
goes back to like Title IX in a different way. Like we shouldn't be taking away men's sports to add on to women's sports. We should have, I wish there was more positive than negative. I wish we were adding on yeah. to more things instead of taking away things. Right. That's, that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, it, it seems that like whenever we're making amendments or bringing up this conversation that it's like bringing up this negative, you know, this negativity where it shouldn't be like we just shift our perspective a little bit and put in the effort it can become a very positive thing and welcome all walks of life and individuals so that they can just participate in in the competition that they love to participate in you know mm -hmm. uh, I, th I think that's a great way uh, to put it Emily. as many states across the country proposed and passed legislation barring transgender students from school sports how can Title IX, the Title IX idea of protecting women extend to protecting all women, transgender included? So before Title IX was even passed, women faced this as well. There were laws barring women from participating in sports. Yeah. There was a woman trying to run the Boston Marathon um, and she was ripped from it, saying that she couldn't compete. And I, I think if we go back to looking back into history, so women already faced this and there are still laws in different countries barring women from participating in sports and even watching sports. Yeah. But this is a different conversation for another day, but it's still, that's right. not, that is something that's still happening today. Yeah. And if we just look back into history and history kind of always repeats itself. So hopefully history can repeat itself here and opening the doors yeah. to other people. So Title IX is 37 words like we talked about and it's very vague. And it says on the basis of sex in its opening statement. So one would think that on the basis of sex is the open to yeah. all sexes. Um, and I think it was very interesting that it wasn't written with men or women in originally. Yeah. So I think on that basis of sex, it should be including other people. And then it's just, and I'm gonna have like, a, just like be real with you. It's, it's hard. I don't, you know, there's, I just, I feel bad for the people who are trans who are like, there's legislation being passed to keep these kids yeah. out of sports, which I think is like absolutely insane. Um, and like, I just I feel so bad for these people and I have no, and I have no idea what I can, like what I can do or what to do. Cause this is all, it's not new. There has been trans people mm -hmm. for so many years, but because it's being so mainstream and there's so much hate, so new um and like one thing with title nine and protecting women and extending sports to all women including transgender when um there's a freshman on the brown baseball team and mm -hmm. she's a woman and it was widely celebrated and accepted again on like espn on her turf just women's sports mm -hmm. and they said that she was like making waves in baseball and even in the pros um there's a baseball player and she's a woman as well but then when it comes to, there's this, what's the analogy I'm looking for? Double, double standard? Double standard. Yeah, there's a double standard when it comes to trans athletes. Yeah. When they're the same gender trying to participate in the same gender sport, yeah. but because they were once, they were once, I don't wanna say they were once identified as a different gender. That would be the, would that be the correct mm -hmm. term to say that they were once identified as a different gender as in someone else identified them as a different gender. Right, or as society wants to find them as a specific gender. And then once they came out and, and, and defined them or identified themselves as who they wanted to be, that's, you know, where yeah. all of a sudden, you know, like, yeah. oh, now you're not allowed to, now you're not allowed to participate because you've found your identity. That's, 
that but like absolutely what, what you're uh, what you're getting at is i'm trying to make sure it's know, grammatically correct as well <laughs> yeah not a problem like um and i think that's why it can become a difficult conversation just because people are just aren't as um educated on 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 um on this idea of like you know just transgender sports or transgender individuals and you know participating in the in um, the other division you know in, in the male sport or in the women's sport so just i think if everybody could open their hearts open their mind open up the conversation include um mm -hmm. transgender individuals in on the conversation allow them to speak and and share you know you know why and and, and what they want out of all of this will really you know inform the public and um yeah. bring us to a sense of understanding yeah, because um, with Leah Thomas, when um, that mm -hmm. happened, there was so much hate being spewed onto her, and there was just, you know, they, the uh, the Olympians were taking a picture together because they were Olympians, and then everyone mistook that picture yeah. and said that they were just excluding her, which is terrible. And her voice, I feel like, was silenced in that probably because of fear and just of the mm -hmm. mongering that the media was doing. Yeah. And like again, if, if we just amplify other people's voices. Her voice needed to be amplified then and there so that she could express how she was feeling and her thoughts on it. And we, we shouldn't be, I just think it's, I think it's wrong to not allow someone to compete in a sport. Right. Everyone should have the right to compete in a sport. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Uh, that was a great, I thought that was a good conversation about, um, you know, the other perspective of Title IX. So, Emily, in the world of sports and competition, there's this great prominence of winning. How do we create the same emphasis off the field in order to create a better environment within the athletic programs on campus? This goes back to the stick to sports analogy. Mm -hmm. We really, I think we need to have more programs and show student athletes what life is going to look like after college because yeah. again, mental health is so huge among student athletes. And when you get to your senior year, or your sixth year, you know, mm -hmm. whatever senior year deter, uh, looks like for you. Um, we don't really know what life is going to look like after college when we don't have sports, when we don't have the strict schedule. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to show what like winning can look like outside of sports, what, define winning, like, you know, how to get a job after college yeah. or how to put your life back together after college. Right. Um, Cause there's no one to hold our hand once we graduate. We're within these four or plus years that you have, you've established this community, you have your coach, you have your teammates, you have your admin, you have your therapist, you have your physical therapist and you have this community that's been there to put you back together. Um, and, and like in regards to sports and there's really, not that much side there's not that community on the academic side yeah. or on that community and you're not going to have that community once you graduate as well most of the times yeah. um you're going to have to get back on your feet and we need to establish we just need a life check <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't know i don't know how you did it um i think you can also attest to that as well because you you are a student athlete and now you have somewhat of a, a big person life <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no like, <laughs> no it's about you know just carrying over everything that you've taken in from that campus life you know like um you know you have all this support like you said you know you have your athletic trainers you have your um you know a therapist you have mental you know any type of uh, psychological services that you might need to go to you have your you know your teammates 
um, the people, you know, which are, you know, in the real world are the people you work with, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you just learning that like, okay, when I gotta take all these, um, all these uh, qualities and um, experiences that I've, I've learned from on the field and how can I apply this into my everyday life and routine. So like when I do get that job or like when you try out for a new team, okay, that's like my version of interviewing. And then when you get, you know, when you get the job, it's like, okay, how can I be a good teammate? How can I, mm -hmm. um, you know, do my role, but also let my employees know that I have their back and any yeah. and anything that they're doing. So, um, and then I think like just the big thing, you know, when you come out of it, it's just like, um, because like when you're on campus, uh, a lot of these things are provided to you and it's like an open door. Um, but like, sometimes it can be a little bit harder, you know, like seeking out all, all of those, all of those things in the real world. But uh, yeah, no, um, that's, I like it. Um, good answer. I like, I like this conversation. Okay. So this one's about uh, name, name, image, and likeness, NIL. Um, in terms of Title IX, how do we make sure the existing disparities of name, image, and likeness do not repeat themselves? Um, this is an issue arising at like uh, big name schools with uh, successful men's football and basketball programs receiving far more opportunity for NL NIL over the women's programs. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in a politics sport class and we actually covered this topic. Oh, okay. And when NIL, when those doors first opened up, one of the first mm -hmm. athletes to get an NIL deal was a women's volleyball player with Barstool Sports. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, then the floodgates opened up with that after. So women's sports, they utilize NIL first, like a lot of volleyball mm -hmm. players um, and women's basketball. And they've been really successful with that. And then what mm -hmm. I, I have seen a lot of, I've seen more, women getting big brand nil deals actually yeah. um and i think it just goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time uh like this overpowering theme of men just always kind of being the first go-to yeah. um and a lot of people just forgetting unfortunately that like women are here women occupy the same space as the men do in their sports they have the the same positions the same titles um and I just think the doors need to be opened for women mm -hmm. more in this conversation. It's just, it's the, it's the theme that we've been talking about this whole time. Um, and I think a lot of brands have been doing a good job um, of getting women in those big brand deals. Yeah, that's all. I don't know. I haven't really seen a lot of, um, I haven't really seen a lot of men uh, like at least it's probably because of like on Instagram like let's say if I'm scrolling like yeah. I saw those basketball twins and like another Louisville basketball girl um mm. who I've like seen a lot of them like with Adidas and like these larger companies and like supplements I I probably because it's market marketed and that targeted towards me because I'm a woman and I think mm. my phone knows I love supporting women's sports but I haven't seen a lot of um the men in like do you think the the you know the profits and and the rewards mm -hmm. and the the media coverage is mm -hmm. similar from you know the the men the student athletes on the male side uh in in the name image and likeness compared to most, the women most definitely not and then looking right. at this past year's um, March Madness where it was the first year where mm -hmm. women's basketball was advertised as March Madness awesome. um, the St Peter's basketball team they did the Cinderella story um, mm -hmm. they did amazing. And they also garnered some NIL deals and like Dirty Doug, 
mm-hmm. with Barstool and then <laughs> again with um, Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. And that happened and he got those NIL deals immediately. Um, yeah. Whereas only on the women's side and like through March Madness, I saw a lot of NIL deals on the men's side. Mm-hmm. On the women's side, not so much. Right. And I think that's, def- that's definitely a key example of the question that you proposed. Yeah. Um, and if we open it, like, I feel like if we open it up to championships, like UNC women's field hockey, mm-hmm. they're like back to like four-time national champions, I believe, yeah. or at least conference champions. And I feel like that would be such a, that's a great gateway for companies to sponsor their, because those are also amazing athletes. They win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like field hockey is such an overlooked sport as well, but they have, yeah. they just won a national, they won how many national championships and yeah. how many of them have NAL deals? No, it's absolutely the conversation that needs to be had. And that's why we're asking these questions just because like, you know, like these, these are impressive results. These are phenomenal athletes, you know, continuing to dominate at the highest level, but not always receiving the, the same type of opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's not what a basketball or, 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 or like America's sport, but, you know, like there's absolutely um, opportunity that should be offered to these individuals. So. Awesome. Um, what would you say to the women's athletics uh, pioneers uh, who have dedicated and given up so much to advocate and battle in order to let the current generation focus on their sport? I would like to just say thank you. Um, they, I hope they know the impact that they had on women and women's sports. Um, and I hope that they can see that it's like a tidal wave effect. Like hopefully, and then like what I hope to have, like hopefully maybe I don't know if I'll have an impact, but what I would like to see in the future for um, like in regards to Title IX and pushing women sports is like when little girls have Jersey day in school, they don't have to wear a basketball or a football or a soccer Jersey. They're kind of forced to, cause that's all that's offered to them right now. But I would love to see if they had, you know, women's softball, women's soccer, WNBA mm-hmm. and um, even women's golf. Um, it's hard to do that with track and field a little bit, but I've seen some girls dress up as Allison Felix for Halloween. <laughs> That's what I would love to see. And I hope that those women pioneers, I'm sure they had that thought in mind at one point yeah. and that they opened the door for that. And we're so forever grateful for them. And we hope awesome. to continue and inspire their legacy. Amazing. Is there a female athlete you look up to for their work, both in their sport and what they've done outside of competition as well? Well, obviously, Allison Felix, um, she, that, that's kind of, that was a go-to. Um, it's actually funny. So, Allison Felix and Simone Biles as well. And mm-hmm. I also, I happen to work for Athleta, and both of those women mm-hmm. have partnerships with Athleta. Wow. And I've been able to see that they work the do, and I've seen, like, even through the ads that they've done has been, they're just so inspiring. Um, Allison opening up Sage. I bought Sage shoes, um, <laughs> and they she has a program where women, pregnant women, their feet say their feet they change sizes, so they can buy Sage shoes and then come in and exchange them for a new pair of shoes when their feet grow. Yeah. Um, and then Simone on her for talking about mental health and just uplifting other little girls and to make sure that she also little girls don't have to go through the experiences that she went through. And featuring hey on the clothes that we sell um on the inside of the hem when you flip it up it, she has like motivational words and like keep wow. going they're super inspiring and unstoppable and because i can is one of her slogans um and then for their work 
um, both on and off, also looks on the Masters. She has dominated the Paralympics um, summer and winter, and she's also done really great advocacy work off for like Paralympics as well. And um, Noelle Lambert and, and Fumita, they are also Paralympians who I had the um, like an amazing opportunity to interview them for a piece I was working on. They are amazing women who are so inspiring mm -hmm. and just getting to know them on a personal level just through interviewing them and yeah. they encouraged me to keep up my work in advocating so I mean, they're just all regular people who have done amazing things and they inspire other regular people like me right. and I'm sure you as well um <laughs> yeah of course do good stuff awesome no that is amazing and the opportunity to interview them I bet was they like, were literally out of me and I was happened to be working yeah. on a paper about representation of Paralympians wow. and I had to interview Paralympians and I'm warming up and I turn around and I'm like oh my god they have <laughs> Team USA Paralympian stuff and I was so nervous to interview them like I had no questions prepped and I go after right. I run and I'm like hi <laughs> do you mind if I ask you a few questions <laughs> but they were so open and they loved that they Good. like someone like me was just an able-bodied yeah. person was writing about them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It must have been rewarding um, for, for both both parties, yourself and, mm -hmm. and for these athletes to to be, not only be recognized, but to just, you know, share whatever, you know, the questions that you had and get the answers, you know, that that people want to hear. So that that, that is an amazing opportunity. I'm glad you that you even got that opportunity. Me too. Um, cool. And then now we'll, um, as we as we begin to close, I have a couple more um, topics to talk about and it's more mm -hmm. about the future of title nine so we here at the nec are shining light on the 50th anniversary of title nine um as are the college's teams and professional leagues all across the country what is left to be done in terms of title nine and its legacy uh, and trying to create a level playing field uh for women to participate in sports so like i talked about before um opening the doors to girls at a younger age Mm -hmm. for sports like the, for me when I was growing up there was always like soccer or lacrosse was kind of the only two sports that a lot of young girls played you know there was gymnastics and dance mm -hmm. um but I wish more sports like track was even track was opened up to girls at a younger age so I, if we could introduce um a title line to enable schools or regulate schools to introduce more sports to girls at a younger age right. and then in regards to women, you know, girls get inspired by who they look up to. We, everyone gets inspired by who they look up to. Less than 50% of women's college coaches, especially basketball women's college coaches are women. So if we are able to put women in coaching positions or if Title IX, mm -hmm. not, we can't necessarily regulate the amount of, um, right. you like, have to have a women's coach, but if, if we can use Title IX to put women's women in these positions, and yeah. it's even less in men's sports overall, it's less than two percent of women are in head coaching positions for men's sports. So hopefully, Title IX can be used to for women to climb the ladder. They can throw it over their back and help them. And Title IX can help them climb the ladder to get into these positions. Um, I would love to see that. And then another thing with Title IX is the what am I like thinking about um like locker rooms and equipment um yeah. that women get do you take a look I mean I'm sure you saw when yeah. they all went when women's basketball went to yeah. 
really sucks that basketball constant women's basketball really seems to be the scapegoat. Like there's yeah. a lot of inequity that's been absolutely publicized um, through women's basketball. Um, they went to a conference in Las Vegas and they were playing in a hotel floor with a makeshift gym floor. Mm-hmm. And it was like the co- wasn't what the coaches thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas the men always play in stadiums, you'll never see men playing in a hotel room on a ballroom right. floor. So if future of Title IX can just we can do something with that where women get the same, just I think women just want equality, the same as like the men get in terms of equipment, locker room, meal money, um, staffing even. If you take a look at, you know, sometimes a men's like football or basketball or men's soccer or baseball, these larger, a lot of schools have all these sports. Their Mm -hmm. staff can, they have a huge staffing roster where they have a head coach, three assistants, a director of operations and student managers. Whereas a women's coach will have a head coach and two assistants and that one assistant is also the director of opera like these two assistants are doing the work of three assistants or four assistants sometimes so if women's sports can have equal staffing or proper staffing right that was also what i would like to see yeah no those are all great points and what can nec student athletes do with the platform to advance women's sports um open up conversations and if they see something say something if they see something wrong or something's bothering them i'm sure we all you know are in the locker rooms and we like we talk about stuff that we don't like or some or stuff that we wish to improve and upgrade bring that up to your coach bring that up to your admin bring that up to compliance bring it up to your ad bring it up to someone because you can we have a voice and instead of you know let's move this conversation out of the locker room yeah it's a great way to put it Mm -hmm. absolutely and uh this leads us into our final question what will women's sports look like in the future, in the next 10 years, next 50 years? Um, more pay, equal pay. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the first one that, um, like I said, these women are in the same positions as men in regards of their sports. They're playing the same sport. So hopefully they get paid the same. Mm-hmm. Um, goes back to Kelsey Plum and revenue sharing. And that in the next 50 years, hopefully women's sports are celebrated as women's sports. Um, a, someone can turn on the TV and there's a women's sporting game or event or match or meet that is just as advertised and looked up to as the Super Bowl. That would be yeah. the end goal. Um, and that, you know, in like the next five years, brackets and bets are put on women's college basketball, March Madness. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, like young girls on Jersey day don't have, like, they can, they can represent a woman athlete, which I think is amazing. And I haven't seen that, we don't, at least growing up and still today, you rarely see athletes, women athletes on jerseys and their merch being sold. Um, and you know, it could be the women's soccer, WNBA, softball, rugby, even rugby mm-hmm. added, um, like Alona Mara on TikTok, she's amazing and people look up to her as well. Um, and that's what I just hope to see that we're on like the equal playing field and we get the same advertising and promotion as men's sports and we're just celebrated the same. That is all the time we have for today. Thank you NEC fans for watching as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of Title IX and share the ideas on how we can strengthen our community. See you next time on the NEC Overtime Pod.